This is Dan Decker, host of Bad Choices in Bourbon. But I'll tell you what isn't a bad choice. Catching up with Spock the Week. again James how are you doing I'm all right thank you Gregor how are you okay I'm okay um, I'm sensing that you you've picked up a bit from last week's episode I'm sensing that are you yeah yeah oh good good um I'm I'm not at liberty to divulge yeah I'm a bit worried about way you looking at you um from his tv screen there behind you I I don't know what you're talking about Wayne isn't watching my every move at all no, um, looks to me like he is, but that's a whole different thing. No, no, uh, no, no. Don't go, don't go making it so that I have to get your mind reprogrammed so that you remember things properly. Yeah. So what are we talking about this week? <laughs> We're talking about my favourite Star Trek aliens and who I would class as being the sexiest aliens in Star Trek, and that has to be the Cardassians. Sorry, Cardassians. Okay. Um, <clears throat> can we just get clarity there? Because you said sexist. I did. And you're not talking about the Kardashians, you're talking about the Cardassians. I am indeed. They are, in my eyes, the sexiest aliens in Star Trek. Okay. Uh, okay, this is going to be an interesting episode. Um, <laughs> so, well, let's let's be honest. We did say this off air. There's lots to talk about the Cardassians, but we're both DS9 fans. So yep. let's not beat about the bush. We're generally going to be talking about two Kardashians in particular, aren't we? Yes. We're going to be mainly talking about the wonderful Garrick um, and his multifaceted sexiness that he is. And we're going to be talking about Gulder Cat as well, because we've got to. You can't talk about Gulder, uh, about Star Trek and about Kardashians without talking about Gulder Cat. Yeah. Well, listen, see, see before we get to that, can we keep the boss happy and like just sort of talk about the you know the where the Cardassians came from in Star Trek and so so we give a, a semblance yeah, of some sort of structure so um it started in TNG didn't they yes with yes. Mark Alimo playing yeah. the first Cardassian yeah. which for those of you who don't know is the reason why the Cardassian neck makeup is as it is um because Michael Westmore basically took one look at Mark Alimo and went wow you've got a neck we're gonna have to do something about that and that's pretty much where a lot of the inspiration for what Cardassians look like came from well, I think that covers the background to the Cardassians <laughs> so um you've actually picked a race that I'm actually able to just talk about I've not even opened memory alpha I'm doing well so um so the first Cardassian we see in Deep Space Nine is Ducat and Emissary isn't he yes Yes, yes, yes. Um, Because it comes to, he was obviously the commandant, wasn't he, of Terek Noor? He was. Uh, Or what was it they they, they called the Bajoran Overseer? What was the title again? There was a title, wasn't there? Um, That he had. Yeah, yeah, hang I'm going to have to do it. I'm going to have to check it out. Yeah, well, keep keep talking while I find yeah, out what, um, what what he was called. So he's obviously left the station, and the station's in quite a, a bad way. And uh, he comes to visit 
Um, prefect. There we prefect, go. The prefect. Yeah. Um, I was never a school prefect. Were you ever a school prefect? No, I was far too naughty to be a prefect. Yeah. Yeah. I never understood. The school, I never understood the wanting to be a school prefect thing. That was just strange. Would you like to be a grass? Yeah. No, no I'm alright. No. Thanks. <laughs> If you were a school prefect and you're listening, I think you did a great job, honestly. We're not we're not having a go at you. Um, oh, I am. I am. I didn't like the prefects at my school, so obviously all prefects must have been the same, so I hate you all. Well, we're always trying to get into either Oxford, Cambridge, or the University of Edinburgh, or University College London, or something yeah, like well, that. Yeah, St. Okay. Andrews was a St. big Andrews, popular that's one. Another one yeah, as yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it was all the usual ones, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Brown noses, as they're sometimes referred to. Yeah, yeah. Um, so to cap, so he comes to visit the station amongst all the chaos that he's left behind. Yeah, um, whilst O'Brien's going, but they've broken everything. Mm, yeah. Uh, I'm not even going to attempt an Irish accent, so there you go. That's that's my O'Brien impression. Jesus, Mary Joseph and the little donkey. Um, <laughs> line of yeah. duty reference there, folks. Line of I, duty. I, I haven't watched Line of Duty, so I will have to let Gregor do that. Um, mm-hmm. I've, I basically know what happened because, you know, I've got a Twitter account, so therefore you don't have a choice. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, back to Ducat and um, his original role as the prefect of not just Tarek Noor, but the whole of Bajor mm-hmm. um, in, towards the end of the occupation, uh, working for Central Command. Um, Gull isn't his name. Gull is his rank. Um, so he's the the big boss of um, Bejor. Then once the resistance has done it, what it's doing, and Bejor gets its independence, and the Federation going to help out Bejor, obviously he's out of a job, so he disappears, but only for a bit, and regularly comes back to be the thorn in Major Kira's side. Really? Uh, yeah, I think I think the uh, impression that you're left with Goldacat's character at the end of Hemisphere that he's a bit shady. You're not really um, in your own mind. You know, is he a good day? Is he a bad day? Um, you don't know. It's, it's it's all very ambiguous in terms of the nature of his his character. Yeah. Uh, and there's so much more juicy stuff to come. Um, oh, very much we'll, so. Which we'll move on to. Let's talk about. Let's introduce the second Cardassian that we're probably only going to talk about. <laughs> My so, favourite. Now, 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 please, James, calm down, right? Because I'm setting the scene here for you, and I know what you're like. I'm very excited because so I first, get to talk about the, Garrick. Right, okay. But the first time we meet Garrick is on the promenade. Yes. Uh, it's, I think it's, it's outside Quarks in one of the cafes, isn't it? It's in the replomat, yeah. Yeah, and he approaches Bashir, and he I want does. you to it's, I want you to stay calm here, because he's clearly approaching Bashir with a view to having sex with Love Bashir. Love's in the air. I, I knew this would happen. Everywhere I look around. We've lost him. We've lost James. <laughs> James has gone to us now. Just the thought of Bashir and <laughs> Bashir. Oh, and I have read and written so much fan fiction about this. But anyway. <laughs> um, oh dear. Right, yes. okay. So. so our introduction to Garrick is in the replomat. We've got Bashir there and 
just a simple tailor comes to have a conversation with um, Bashir. And sadly, this is still in season one, so Bashir hasn't actually got a personality yet, which is a bit of a shame because this scene would have been so much better had it been a little bit later on when Bashir had a personality. Well, I think he does have a personality in this season. It's not the personality that we like, though. Sorry, because... sorry, he had a personality, yeah. but it was all about getting into Jadzia's knickers. Um, okay, that was one facet <laughs> of his personality, but it, 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 we see we see arrogance. Uh, we yeah, see yeah, yeah. Confidence. And, he and wants that to all, do frontier medicine. Don't yeah, forget. And that, that all gets talked about on. But um, nobody liked that Bashir. So let's not talk about that Bashir. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, but no, I just think that had this scene taken place, season two, season three then it would have been a very different style of interaction. But I also, at this point, Bashir is still wet behind the ears, straight out of the academy. And Garrick comes over. Now, is he just preying on somebody who's wet behind the ears? Or is the the thing that I love about Garrick is you never know what he's thinking. Um, his actions and his thoughts are very, very different things. And the the way he's played by Andrew Robinson is beautiful. I love the 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 creepy but warm yet secretive yet tells you what you need to know and sometimes what even what he wants you to know. And it's just a fantastic round character with so much flavour to it. Um, he's from the Obsidian Order at some point, who, you know, all baddie races in Star Trek have to have a secret police, and for the Cardassians, it's the Obsidian Order, for the Romulans, it's the Tal Shiar, you know. Um, because, so your Romulans were your space Russians, your Cardassians are your space Nazis, essentially. Um, if you think of the links between um, World War II Nazism and the actions of the Nazis towards the Jews. There's a massive big um, similarity there with the Cardassians and the Bajorans and how their interaction happens. Um, so very, very based around that. But if you also think back to World War II history, there were people who were high up in the Nazi party, but weren't working for the Nazi party, you know, like working for different aims and objectives. And that's the kind of um, character I see in Garrick. Um, he's not allowed to go back to Cardassia because he's done something naughty on Cardassia. Um, so he's out here and I'm always under the impression that he's working against the regime of the Cardassians, but for the betterment of the Cardassians, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, I mean, I think because uh, you know, I think thinking back to World War Two Germany, okay, there, there was Germans and there was Nazis, mm. and, uh, and there was <clears throat> there were some Germans who, because of their skills, their abilities, and their loyalties to their country found himself more by accident than design yep. being um, um, part of the ruling elite of the Nazi party, but not necessarily um, embracing the Nazi yep. party. 
Um, and that, that's it. I, I think that's reflected in more than just uh, Garrick and DS9. In fact, I'm going to talk about an episode called Duet, which is a season one episode of Duet, okay, where there's a Kardashian who essentially hands himself over for yep. war crimes uh, on the station. And there's something niggling with um, Kira that she is not sure that this is the guy that he claims to be. Um, now, it's um, it very much follows a story of a, a Maximilian Schnell film um, where he comes forward as a Nazi war criminal. Yes. Uh, and yeah. uh, I think Maximilian, I think Maximilian Schnell, he either got the Oscar or he got Oscar nominated for his role in this film. Um, and he comes forward as a, a Nazi officer, as an SS officer, confessing to, confessing to war crimes against Jews, etc. Um, and it turns out he's not he's not done it. He he's done it to atone um, for the crimes of his fellow countrymen. Yeah. And then this is very, it's very much, it's, it's, it's almost, a, it's very much a similar storyline. Um, it's almost like all they've done is change the names, isn't it, really? Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you know that film at all that I'm referencing. Uh, I, I don't know the film, but I know, I, I can get very easily the the reference that you're making there. Yeah. Because um, um, it's uh, Maritz, is that how you put I can't remember how you, um, let's see if I can find, I think that's what he was called. Uh, Maritza, sorry. Um Who's the Cardassian? Who's the Who's the actor? It's a, it's a really great character. Actor, it, it is a great character. If you give me a moment, um, let's have a look. See if I can find what the actor's called. Um, Harris Yulin. Oh, Harris Yulin. Yeah, he's been in loads of great. He's, he's had loads of great parts and loads of great films without yeah. being the star. Um, a really good guy. His performance in that episode is fantastic. Yeah, no, it, it's really good. He really plays the duality of the role really well. Yeah. Um, I'm just looking up the Maximilian Schnell one, uh, actually. Uh, God, he was acting until late in his career. He was still acting in 2015. Because he wasn't a kid, um, Maximilian Schnell. But yeah, we've got a great German actor, Maximilian Schnell. Fantastic. But yeah, the the character of Moritz is very interesting. And it's like all the Cardassians. None of the Cardassians that we see in Deep Space Nine are just baddies. Mm. There's always more to it. It's always more complicated than that. And they're always feeling like real people. Mm. Despite them having spoons on their heads. Um they're always feeling like real people. It's like even Gulder Cat, who is blatantly a baddie, he's he's obviously the Star Trek equivalent of a concentration camp commandant. Uh, that's obviously where they've got the inspiration from for him. But then you see like his relationship with his daughter, and then you see all the stuff that happens with the par race and yeah, he's not a goodie by any stretch, but he's not a caricature bad guy. He's not your pantomime villain. There's a lot more about him than that. He's still well, a baddie. Uh, uh, the introduce elements to his character. Yeah. You, you as an audience member, you begin to empathise with some mm. 
and use an audience member yourself, justify some of the decisions and his actions in the past, because um, it's, it's very rarely that there's a moral absolute, and, and this is the, the slant that he puts on everything that yeah. he does. You know, a, a, a good one is um, it's a later episode, but he's talking about Waltz, where he's, he's having to do executions. Yeah. It's like, well, if I didn't do that, then the high command would make me kill more people. You know, it was for the greater good. So, you know, committing a crime was to prevent a, a worse crime, um, so to speak, because, you know, it, it can be complicated in these situations. So you have, at times, some empathy um, for his decisions, although by the time you get to there, you're starting to think he actually really is a bad guy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, But even at that, it's still not, you know, you're still questioning um, stuff. And, then, you know, he plays, he does all the for Cardassia stuff and things yeah. like that, you know. But um, no well-written bad character is 100% bad. Well, they're all heroes in their own minds, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. You've got to have that little bit of moment where you're like, what would I do in that position? Or, oh, I get why you did that, or something like that, just to make it less of a passive watch and more of a emotional involvement with what's, what's occurring on screen. Because yeah. if you don't have any empathy for the character you're watching on screen... Then there's that separation. You need that that slight familiarity, even if it's just something so subtle as what you mentioned. Then, just to have a what would I do? That must be a difficult position to be in. All right, doesn't stop the fact that he's still a mass murdering baddie. Mm. That that that's there, there's no he is still a baddie. Um, and good. I'm really glad that he didn't have a redemption arc because that character didn't deserve a redemption arc. That character should have gone down as a baddie at the end, and he did. Well, the, the hint, the, the, the hint of the redemption arc for the cat came earlier in Deep Space Nine. The um, bit with his daughter. Where he, the bit with his daughter, and where there's nearly a reconciliation between him and Kira. I, 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 I think he was always going to be more accepting of Kira. Yeah. Kira was going to be of him. And there is there is a moment where Kira's ready to, I think, not not so much forgive, forgive him, but live with what he's done yeah. for the sake of Bajor and moving forward. Um, but then he pretty much blots his coffee, you know, just when he has a chance to to sort of have Kira accepting him for what he is, he he, he blows it and um Kira's just never going to trust them ever again. Um, but that's good. That That's what a bad character should do. Hmm. I, I hate it when you get to the end of a story or the end of a series and the main the main baddie has had this massive redemption arc and you get to the end and they're, they're, they're goody and everybody's buddy-buddy and that's just bullshit. That's not how life works. Um, especially when you're using such a strong real-world reference for the base for these characters. I think to have Ducat come out the end as a goodie would have been an insult. Because it's not subtle, isn't the reference that's made between Ducat and uh, people in similar positions in the 40s in and around Germany. I don't think it's subtle at all. And I think to give that character a full redemption arc would have been an injustice. To the real life inspiration yeah. for the character, but we never did 
find out, unless I missed it, and I've watched it in Deep Space Nine several times, right? But um, we never found out what the actual cause of Ducat and um, Garrick's hatred for each other. No, no, we didn't. Um, does it matter? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, that's a rhetorical well, okay. I guess not, because it's a MacGuffin, you know, yeah. because they tell you at the beginning they hate each other, and then they yeah. to tell you why. You know, all you need to know as a viewer is that they hate each other. So that's the MacGuffin. The, the, you know, we uh, yeah. don't need to justify it. The MacGuffin is they hate each other, so that's going to be the basis of all their interactions. Yeah. That's all you need to know as a, as a viewer. Um, so, yeah, that, that's what it is. Can, because we spoke a bit about the cat, and I'm pretty sure we're going to come back to the cat because there's still loads of shit with no mention. Oh, God, yeah. Um, can I talk about, uh, no, I, I actually, I was going to talk about a double episode. I'm going to go back further. I'm going to go back to um, Bashir and Garrick and this, the, the development of their relationship, and, and specifically uh, the, the episode The Wire. Yes, yes. Because that's got a lot. It's got it's got the Bashir Garrick development of their relationship. It's also got um, some insights into how the Cardassians work that we've never had before with the implant and uh, the uh, narcotic in his brain that's used as a control device. So you're getting much more. You're getting the Cardassian lore yeah. and the effect that it has on, on people. And bear in mind that we all, as you've already mentioned, Garrick was basically exiled. Yeah. Cardassia as well. Um, so he was he was on a Bajoran station. As the lone Cardassian when his implant fails. Yeah. Um, the, the only bit I'm tilting my head about that is he was on a, a Bajoran station. Was he on a Bajoran station or was he just left on a Cardassian station when everyone else buggered off? <laughs> um, if you know what I mean. Well, I, I, think, I think they just way, left I, him I, behind with the rest of the crap. Either way, he was left on a Bajoran station because yeah. they, were, they were handed over to the Bajorans and yeah. he was Cardassian because he had nowhere else to go. So you know, he didn't have a ship to go anywhere. The Cardassians, as they were leaving the station, were never going to take him back to Cardassia. So, he, you know, he didn't have a choice. No, no, not at all. Um, and, yeah, we really do get to see some of the real foundation blocks of... Um, Julian and Garrick's relationship really building in this episode, don't we? It's really curious and interesting the way that those two interact. Um, it's no longer just, I want to put my Cardassian appendage inside you. It changes very much just the relationship and the power play between them that's quite constant through DS9 as well is explored in this episode, and it's it's really good. I also think, in terms of Bashir, because coming back to it, frontier medicine attitude yep. kind of guy, if you're at the frontier, um, you're going to be close to all the people around you, and you might have to save their life one day. Yeah. You know, this is not a doctor in a, a theatre where I've a patient in that they've never known. Yeah. It's a totally different thing. And and we see that in a few episodes in Bashir's arc. Uh, what's the episode where he's... Garrick is fundamental to Bashir's arc. Bashir's arc wouldn't have gone the way it did if it wasn't for Garrick. Mm. 
Bashir didn't start becoming well-rounded and into the Doctor that by Series 7, I definitely love. I don't know about everybody else, but um, I just think if it wasn't for the relationship with Garrick, they'd have struggled, I think, with Bashir. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 it was one of the characters that changed a lot. As all the characters from where you meet them in Emissary to where you leave them and what you leave behind, they all, they all had... I mean, in a way, I would say that the, the character that changed the least, this is our first off-topic. It's our first off-topic, but halfway around with... My goodness. I, I mean, in a way, I would say the character that changed the least was uh, O'Brien. Yeah. Who was already... Very much so. A, a mature, well-rounded... Yeah. ...war veteran. Yeah. You know, so had all the characteristics and attributes that it basically needed to get him through as a character for seven seasons. I mean, yeah, there's not a massive development for O'Brien through DS9, but it's quite nice to have that constant that goes through do, the series, that everything else flows around, if that makes sense. But we do see dynamics change with, with O'Brien. Oh, very much so. Because obviously O'Brien and Bashir don't get on, and we see no. that we see that by... Uh, we see that dynamic changing. We see the conflict with his racism towards the the Cardassians. Yeah. Obviously, we see a bit of um, much more the family life, the family man in him than we did yep. in TNG uh, as well. So, uh, you know, we didn't see the biggest change from within with O'Brien, but we see the dynamic around him changing how he um, adapted to it. Yeah, and I think he goes through the series. And like I said, I think he's a strong constant that people change around O'Brien sometimes because of O'Brien and O'Brien obviously reacts differently to different people at different stages. But O'Brien is still the same O'Brien that you knew back on TNG, even when you get to season seven of DS9, Hmm. which is quite good. I think that's a good way to show a static character. Not like Harry Kim on Voyager, who doesn't change at all through all seven series of Voyager. But yeah, but Harry that's... Kim was boring at the start and boring at the end. Yeah. And whereas O'Brien was quite a good character yeah. at the oh, yeah. start. Yeah. And a great character at the end. Yes. <laughs> you know, that's the... Oh yeah, you struggle not to love O'Brien through DS9. Don't get me mm. wrong. I, I love the character and I like that consistency because he's not at the beginning of his career he doesn't have to prove shit to anybody he's seen it done it got the t-shirt he's just going to get on and do his job and do what he wants to do and do what he needs to do and that's quite nice because we don't normally see in ds9 we don't normally see characters who have reached that point in their life where they know who they are they know what direction they're going in and they're just going to do it Anyway, at least, yeah, I mean, it's a non-commissioned officer. Yeah. You, you know, it's... Uh, they Unless vote. you watch Next Generation, then it's like a lucky dip. What rank is he today? Yeah. Um, I mean, they usually, got, <laughs> they usually got killed when you got beamed down the planet. You know, they don't... <laughs> no, that's true. Yeah. Um, but, so, which do I but the, the other one I want to talk about, and we're still on Garrick here, is um, the Dias cast... Sorry, improbable cause stroke the Dias cast double episode where Garrett blows up his own tailor shop. Yep. What an episode. And what again, 
apart from the Garrick character stuff, there's a lot of um, intrigue and learning as a viewer about the Obsidian Order. We, we, we meet in Abrantane for the first time. We don't know who yep. he's going to turn out to be, but we meet in Abrantane. We've got all the Obsidian Order uh, working with elements of the, the Tal Shah. Um, and just, you know, but a really complex episode. It's also uh, a really clever episode as well, because right at the beginning, even before the opening credits, they tell you basically what's going to happen mm. in the way that you've got um, Bashir and Garrick discussing uh, Julius Caesar and the fact that Caesar uh, must have known who was going to murder him and when it was going to happen. And and that just basically tells you what's going to happen at the end of this two series arc in an like an analogy kind of way. And I just find it very, very clever that at the beginning, they tell you what's going to happen at the end. And then it's almost like um, a prophecy fulfilling itself within this, the story arc. I think it's very clever. Well, it's, a, it's, a, it's a device that they used a few times where Garrick was given his critique on um, Earth literature. Yeah. And how it compared to Cardassian literature. Yeah. Um, and the, tra- the, the tragedy of it, him just not getting the tragedy of it, and only seeing the foolhardiness. Yeah, yeah, um, the, the tra- tragedy's just lost on Garrick, or yeah. so he likes to um, present. I, I, I think that the inward Garrick feels a lot more than what the outward Garrick likes to let on. Certainly, he was a character of Shakespearean tragedy. Yes, very much so. But you, you only know the Garrick that Garrick wants you to know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean that was a fantastic episode. I think I might watch that after I've watched um, the morning show tonight. I mean. <laughs> so yeah, um, just brilliant, absolutely brilliant. So, what about your, you know, what's 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 another great Ducat episode for you? A great Ducat episode. Ooh, now you know I'm terrible with. Um episode names so i like the one where um i don't think you ever actually see him or do you see him but you definitely hear his voice when they're on impact nor and that also shows you a lot about the cardassian how terak nor would have ran as well which is quite an interesting bit um there's the one where they're on impact now, where again you hear the voice and things, which I'm sure is the voice of Ducat. I'm not 100% sure, but it certainly sounds like it. And there's also the one where they're stuck in the ore processing part on DS9. You know, when they're going into the new bit that they haven't had access to before. Yeah, that's... Hear, uh, Ducat on the screens, and we're going to do all the security that, stuff. Uh, and... Is that things past? I can't remember. I'm terrible with episode names. Um... Uh, but that one's very good as well because uh, it's really interesting to see. I think because is, is that the one where um, it's Odo has the memory of collaborating yes. with the Cardassians, yes. doesn't he? Yeah, and I think it's good because we see a lot of what Ducat was like, which lets us extrapolate that and think what Ducat would be like had everything still gone his way. And yeah, he's definitely not a goodie. Again, that's another example of Ducat being 
um, a buddy. He's not yet the puppy dog of the Dominion because um, he essentially just becomes the Dominion's plaything at one point towards um, season seven. But it's interesting that that historical, this is where this character mm. was. And this is it's, how this character used to treat people. Yeah, think, things past is the one where after losing consciousness in the runabout, Cisco, Odo, Dax and Garrick awake, awake in the past on Terek Nor, where they are to be executed for an attempt on Gildicat's life. Is that the one? I think we've merged two episodes together. Mm. There is that one, but there's the other one as well. When they go to the ore processing part of current DS9, and they trigger some sort of alarm, and DS9 starts looking right. down. That's an early, that's an early one, and the cat's yeah. actually in that because he gets stuck in ops with them. Oh, he does. Yes, he does appear. Yes, because yeah. he can't override his own security system. Yeah. Yes, uh, or he refuses to. Yeah, uh, I can't remember the name of that, and that will come back to me. But, but yeah, both of those episodes are really quite good at showing old Ducat. Which I quite quite like to see a bit of backstory, because it's hard to just have a baddie that you go, this guy's bad, just believe it, off you go. Whereas this actually gives you that backstory and gives you a reason to hate him. Well, I he like was, having a reason to hate my baddie. He wasn't averse to changing narrative to suit his purposes. So, for example, the one the episode that, Explorer Explorers where uh, Jake and Cisco sailed the Bajoran ship. Yep. To Cardassia, and who the Cardassians have always denied it happened. Then he turns up and they've got fireworks and everything. He says, Fuck, you know, let's gild the cat with his cruiser. Going, well done, we've done what, what an achievement by the Bajoran people. So he was quite happy to change the narrative. If it's oh, very them. much so. But that feels very much like the Cardassian way. Yeah. Because Garrick would do the same. Yeah. If I can manipulate this to make me look good, then I'll manipulate it to make me look good. Mm. To a uh, and not to the same extreme with Garrick, but it still um, still exists. Uh, what I want to think about as well is Guldacat is this behemoth of a Cardassian. He is Cardassian through and through. You don't really get to see his weaknesses and you don't really get to see his weak side. Whereas Garrick, sometimes we get to see them walls broken down a little bit. We get to see his massive claustrophobia, for example, mm. when they're in the prison. Um, and it's that vulnerable side that sometimes is very apparent, like when he's um, in in that situation. Then at other times it's just more alluded to. Um and I think it's a great way of examining a race from two very different aspects. So you've got your high-ranking senior military officer with power and with prestige, and then you've just got a simple tailor who's uh, disgraced by his people. Or is he? Or is he still working for the Obsidian Order? Who knows? Yeah. Um which is always an interesting bit through Garrick's plotline as well. Did he ever leave the Obsidian Order? Because the Obsidian Order and Central Command don't work hand in hand. They're almost like opposing forces within the same planet, which is... Um... Well, well, coming back to the episode The Die is Cast, 
Yes. Um, he was welcomed back in with open arms very easily. Yeah. You know, um, oh, perhaps say very easily, albeit by torturing Odo. Yeah. Um, but there was never any great affinity between him and Odo anyway. No. Um, or at least doesn't look like it, but may may not might not you might not find that at the end of the episode uh, when he goes back from. But um, it was well. It, did seem very easy for him to get back into the, the Obsidian Order. A little bit get, too easy, perhaps. Well, we know what but we'll find out later why Inebrim Tain was like so welcoming to him. Um, yeah. I, I'm trying not to give spoilers here because JJ hasn't seen these episodes. That sounds like JJ's problem. Well, it's JJ's problem. It is JJ's problem. You know, he's had like 25 years to watch them. Yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. It's not like we're about to reveal the ending to um, Line of Duty, for example, which was like broadcast last week. We're talking like quarter of a century ago these episodes happened. I don't know how anyone can say they're a Star Trek fan and they haven't watched Deep Space Nine. I think it's absolutely appalling. I agree. You know, absolutely appalling. In fact, I'm just going to message him and tell him. In fact, I've said that to his face on several things. (laughs) <laughs> Why am I getting help? I keep telling him this. <laughs> One day, JJ will learn and will learn the wonderful world of DS9. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, just think about the, the way, I mean, we're going to struggle to keep this to an hour just talking about two characters. I, I, I am really struggling not to go off on massive fangirl rants about how much I love Garrick. I'm really... <laughs> Trying my best to rein it in. So, do you like um, our man Bashir? What, you mean where I get to see Dr Bashir in a suit? Um, Yes, I do like our man Bashir. Um, It is a interesting episode. Um, It doesn't have a massive impact on the whole arc of DS9, but it does have quite a significant impact on the character development. It's really good for character development, especially between Garrick and Bashir. And who who can't love Garrick and Bashir running around in tuxedos pretending to be fucking spies? It's awesome. I love it. I mean, it's an interesting episode because there's a, a couple of things. There's the, um, it quite clearly shows the fun that the crew have when they go to the holiday because there's a great scene in the beginning of, near the beginning of that episode where O'Brien's playing, uh, I can't remember the character. It's, it's, he's the bad guy, but he's, is, yeah. He's, yeah, and he's like, why am, I, why, is it always, why am I always the bad guy? You know? Um, and they have that. And then there's the, um, Bashir, um, vicariously through the holodeck living a uh, aspect of Garrick's life that he imagines. Yeah. Um, albeit in 60s James Bond style. Um, but that, that that's what it's about. And Garrick coming in and then critiquing Bashir's interpretation of things. It, it, it's just a phenomenal episode. It is absolutely brilliant. And to say that it's a a holodeck episode, quite often they're just crap. 
it's like oh what can we do we're a bit bored oh let's go and i don't know like in voyager then we will disappear off to captain in a dress and go and live in a fucking victorian thing or we've got fairhaven i quite like fairhaven to be honest yeah i I I think if i was irish i wouldn't like it as much i i don't i don't know i don't know no i i I don't know i don't have any irish background i am scottish and i love sub rosa because sub rosa is exactly how things are like in a scottish highland village it's exactly like that here Definitely not going to the Highlands and lighting any gas lamps. Then. It's definitely, honestly, that is what it's like in Scotland. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So, um, back to. Uh, I can see. A, I Our can see. This year. I can see my Scottish tourist board job has just gone out the window. <laughs> <laughs> um. No, I just find that quite often the holodeck episodes are pretty lame uh the dixon hill is just a bit meh in tng in voyager you've got Catherine janeway sticking on a red dress and going talking to her in imaginary children it's just all a bit meh um especially when you're supposed to have like a strong female powered captain well, why doesn't she go and do something scientific or something like that? No, no, no. Let's stick her in a pretty dress. She can be the wife. It's like, for fuck's sake, you'd nearly got it. Um, whereas Aumann Bashir really does use the holodeck for a great purpose. Other other series do as well. Um, I quite like the Voyager episode where, now I'm terrible with episode names, remember, where they go off into the holodeck and they've got to go and fight the great what what's that creature called that they go and fight in the Viking place? Anyway, you Beowulf. know, Beowulf. Beowulf. Yeah, it's basically the Beowulf story, isn't it? Yeah. That one's quite well done. That's actually got something to it because you get to see some character development in the Doctor. It does a similar thing for the Doctor. Than our member she does. I think, for... well, I think family's a great one in Voyager. Talking yeah. About Doctor and holodecks, that's a great one, family. So it can be used really well, like in our member Shear and like in Voyager at times, but other times it's just a bit, to be honest. Um, so, no, great. Lovely to see the relationship between. Um, Garrick and Bashir advancing. It's not quite the holodeck program I'd like to watch Garrick and Bashir in. There are other programs I could have suggested to let me watch for an hour, but you know. Well, um, fortunately for you, I think Garrick is more open to those kind of programs than Picard would be on uh, the Enterprise. And, and it's Quark's holodeck, uh, well, Holosuite, so we know those programs will be on the system. Yeah. Um, I mean, the sanitation those decks had to go through after each use must have been incredible. Well, you, you just watch lower decks, you know exactly what they have to do to empty the filters on the holodecks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, you, you don't want the job as a, a cleaner in Quark's hollow suites, do you? No, no. No. Imagine after Thomas Riker's been in. Or anybody with the surname Riker. Yeah. yeah. That was just... Just know, or what about all the teenagers that they used to let in there? Yeah. You know, I mean, God, mighty! If that, 
Imagine a, a 14 year old me in a holodeck. Oh my God. <laughs> Honestly. I mean, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm trying to think of. I don't want to, I mean, I'm quite happy to talk about Garrick and Jakarta, but um, I think we'll have to bring Zial into it a little bit. Yeah, no, that that would be wrong of us not to bring Zial into it, wouldn't it? Uh, that's uh, an interesting way for us to see the family relationships and how they can work with Cardassians. Well, Ducat wasn't happy with the, the relationship between Garrick and Zial, was he? Yeah, but would would he have been happy with the relationship between anybody in Zial? Um, well, possibly not. But I mean, let's face it, he wasn't averse to killing wives and children. So, his children, you know. Yeah, it... yeah, but I don't think that all of the... Well, I don't think that any of those really were marriages of love. Hmm. It's It feels very politically motivated, so... You know, I've been told I've got to marry her, so I'll marry her. Don't really care if she dies, because I never loved her in the first place, kind of um, marriage, as opposed to the Bajoran that he got pregnant, who he actually had some, he had some feelings for her. He, he'd never say that, but it, it becomes quite apparent that he had some feelings for her, and a lot of those feelings have transferred over to Zial, and it's it's interesting to see that that difference between a, man, a political marriage and a relationship of love or uh, whatever Cardassians have that remotely well, is what similar. You, what do you think Garrick and Seattle had? Do you think they were lovers or do you think it was just a, 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 sort of a more... Um, he was a more ever-present father figure? Yeah, no, I, I don't see that as a, a physical relationship. Uh, I see that more as a an older person guiding a younger person. Possibly with an element of doing it because Garrick knew Ducat would hate it. Hmm. If that makes sense. I'm going to do this just because Ducat wouldn't want me to. Mm. Uh, it was never really fully. I mean, it was left up to the audience, which is when you know good writers do all their best work when they leave it up to the audience. Oh yeah. Um, so it was never really um, black and white what that was, and it was it was left up to you. But obviously, um, there was the <clears throat> the mirroring of. Um, when, that, that, when, sorry, JJ, if you're listening, uh, when uh, Garrett gets back on board DS9 mm-hmm. uh, to find out and how, you know, that him and Garrett could, uh, him and Ducat could have been united in their grief, but where? Yeah, I think that whatever that old wound was, I think it was too big a wound to be repaired even by something as powerful as that, which gives us some sort of hints, not as to what their wound was, but to the gravitas of it. Um, I'd like to bring our third, fourth, fourth Cardassian in to it. Is it uh, like at Damar? It is. 
thought it might be a two like legged Damar. Drinking Kanar, drinking Kanar with Damar. <laughs> um, what an arc he went through. What, yeah, another really well written, really rounded character. Well played by Casey Briggs, just a great character to see follow through his arc. I don't know who came up with him as a concept, but very good character. Yeah, I mean, it's like from a character that just had one line in one episode. Yeah. To to being the Che Guevara of the Cardassian people. Very much so. Um, that, that's quite an arc. Yeah. And particularly those last 10 episodes, starting with Penumbra Part 1. Um, you know, what, what a role to play. Yeah, Casey Biggs must have loved that. Certainly, I know Andrew Robinson loved playing Garrick. Oh, very much so. Even now, uh, Andrew Robinson is very animated when he's talking about um, being Garrick. And I don't know if you've seen, uh, you can still find them on YouTube, the readings of Alone Together, which were done um, with... Yeah, I watched him, yeah. uh, So if anybody listening hasn't seen it, have a look on YouTube for Alone Together. It's got um, Sid Alexander Siddig, uh, there's Andrew Robinson, uh, oh God, you name them from DS9, well, they probably I, make I, an appearance at some point. I, Armin, I, I've seen one with Armin, I've seen yep. one with Siroc as well. Yep. Um, Terry Farrell? Yeah, I can't remember if I've seen Terry she Farrell. She makes one, an appearance, and Nana makes an appearance. It, I've seen the Nana one, yeah. Yeah. If you've not found it, get on YouTube, go and have a look. Absolutely fantastic bit of um, fan fiction. That's all they're doing. They're reading and acting out some fan fiction, and it's brilliant. You can see in Andrew Robinson's face how much he loves being Garrick again, even though he's only reading it over Zoom. It's just really, really good to see. And to hear him talk about it, he still talks with so much passion about that character. It's, It's really nice. Yeah, as as well as James says, it's well well worth checking out, folks. I watched it last year; it was great, it was fantastic, absolutely brilliant. But yeah, Damar, brilliant character. Very much um, so. Absolutely brilliant character. If you've uh, read, um, have you read *A Stitch in Time* by Andrew Robinson? Yes, I have. Yeah. And so I, th- I, I, I was hoping to get Damar it signed. in there as well. Yeah, I was hoping to get it signed. Um, but I've not had the opportunity to get it signed since I bought it. He does so. STLV quite a lot, so stick it in your bag next time you're off to Las Vegas. Yeah, we'll do. Um, but the last thing I was in Vegas, I didn't actually have a copy of it. Yeah. Um, but, or at least I didn't have the copy with me, and then I thought, you know, I should be taking this. Because yeah. I've only got a, got a digital copy, and it'd be a bit awkward yeah. if I just got him to like sign my phone. Because yeah. Sarah's got a, a Michelle Nichols book. Cool. That we got signed by Michelle. Yeah. Because the shell just had a table in the vendor's room, and it was, I think it was the Sunday afternoon, which, right. is, which gets quite quiet at Vegas. Yeah. And we were just didn't have to queue, went up, paid the $20 or whatever it was, and we just got to sit and talk to the shell for about 10, 15 minutes because there was nobody about. Honestly, it, just unbelievable. Uh, that's, that's very fortunate. You know. Although I have to say that the, the time I was on a, a Zoom call 
with Andrew Robinson, Iris Stephen Bear and um, Alexander Siddig all talking about DS9. That was cool. Yeah, I enjoyed that. that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, I mean, hey. Saying to, Alex, uh, to Iris Stephen Bear, did you mean to make Garrick quite that gay? <laughs> yeah, well, it's funny. My, uh, well, my Iris Stephen Bear, because I've spoken to him a couple of times now. But the first time I actually spoke, first time I went to Vegas, I didn't speak to him at all. Um, the second time I went to Vegas, uh, it was in the Rio Hotel itself. We were sitting in the burger bar in the yeah. Rio, and it was just Sarah and I at this big long table. And we sat down, and then about two minutes after we sat down, these four guys came over and went, excuse me, anybody sitting here? Uh, one was David Sapone, the... Um, yeah. I didn't know who the other two guys were. The other one was either Stephen Bear. That's amazing. So sat down and uh, I'm like, they're talking and are you guys here for the convention? And of course I said, yeah. And I says, and Iris, oh, you're Scottish. And yeah, I'm Scottish. I says, and I, I think Ira was working on Outlander at the time. Yeah. And uh, I says, I said to him, I says, I'm actually from um, a town called Bones, which is about directly across the water from where you filmed when he's, you guys are in Curus filming. Yeah. Uh, about a, a one mile swim across the River Forth and about a five minute drive when he's filming in Blackness Castle. <laughs> and it's like, oh yeah, yeah. I don't get to go on location that often when we're doing the going location stuff, but yeah, I've been there. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. <laughs> you know, um, and then I, I did my piece to camera for um, the documentary. What, oh, we yeah. le- what we left behind. What we left behind. They were doing box pops. Um, oh, all right. So I done yeah. a piece to camera for that. And, Are you in it? I don't remember seeing you in the documentary. Um, um, uh, there's a still picture of me. Oh, it's a. Uh, there's a bigger picture of Sarah in it. Bitch. It's <laughs> a bigger picture of Sarah in it. There's a big picture of Joe Keegan from um, Air. Yeah. Uh, that goes to it. Um, I'm hoping they do as well with the Voyager documentaries, yeah. what they did with What We Left Behind. And well, do, do, do you remember the, the girls in the, doc, the, the Deep Space Nine documentary, the girls that are dressed up as Deep Space Nine in the wormhole? No, I'd have to watch the documentary again. Uh, well, that's Brooke and uh, Mindy. Uh, her, not quite well. No, Mindy. Hello, Brooke and Mindy. I don't know who you are, but hello. Yeah, well, I'm going to try and get Mindy on one time, actually, because she's a That'd be brilliant, cool. brilliant cosplayer. Um, so yeah, so um, I could talk about certain Cardassians all day. I don't know about you, but um, I, I think we've gathered that this at least a Cardassian I could talk about for most of the day. As I said, they are the sexiest race in Star Trek. Uh, I'm not judging. I'm not judging at all. Um, you know, um, you are. I'm not. No, no, no. I, I don't think. Uh, I, I don't think the no the Deltons. The Deltons are the sexiest race. I'm gonna have to Google that. Ilea. There's only one Delton in it. Ilea. Oh, they're so sexy. They've got to swear an oath of celibacy before they can get into Starfleet. That's hang how on. sexy they are. Something moved. I ended up clicking an advert for Sky Broadband. Here we go. Let's have a quick look. Because I'm terrible at... 
there we go. All right, okay. Yeah, now I know which ones you mean. Uh, sexy. You... They have to take an oath of celibacy. That's how sexy they are. Yeah, they're just not Cardassians. You see, who knows? Cardassians may have to take an oath of, oath of celibacy should they join um, Starfleet. Who knows? Because they're not allowed to join Starfleet. Because they're not part of the Federation. I would take an oath of celibacy rather than sleep with Kai Wynn. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 I'm not. She's not high on my list of Star Trek characters I'd like to sleep with. I, it's not because she's unattractive physically, because Louise Fletcher was a very attractive woman, but she's just an abhorrent character. Oh, very much so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she's she's one of those I love to hate characters. But the hate is strong. The hate is strong in this one. The hate is strong in this one. Um, yeah, and her relationship with Ducat towards the end. Yeah, don't 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 eat and watch those episodes of Deep Space Nine. No, no, no. Don't eat anything before you watch those scenes. Do, but... do you not like Kywin Cardassian sexy times? Um. Like, they certainly have an effect, and they have the effect. That, <laughs> they have the effect that the writers wanted them to have. That's very the much thing. so. Very much yeah. so. You know. So yes. Uh, but yeah, don't eat anything before you watch those episodes. Or at least have a bucket nearby. Um, yeah, I still wonder though. Was her house modelled on uh, her hat modelled on the Sydney Opera House or not? Absolutely, it must have been. Because it just looks like she's walking around with the Sydney Opera House on her head. Yeah. It had to have been. Yeah. Uh, she's... Yeah, but it's all right. She gets what she deserves in the end. Sorry, JJ. Mm. But, you know, the power are coming. The power are coming, yeah. And the power is strong in this one. She's rubbing your earlobes. I was going to say, what's she going to do? Grab me by the ear. Well, we finished with Abajoran when we started with Cardassians. Which feels like how it should be, really. Feels like the natural order of things, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, because will the Bajorans help Cardassia rebuild? Who knows? Um, we don't I know. Think... We don't know. Do you know why we don't know? Because, Mr. Kurtzman, you never gave us a series showing us that. Give him time. He might. Sorry, I just I couldn't resist it. We may get a post-Nemesis series. What's Okay, here's a question for you. What's worse? Kai Wen and Ducat having sex or Tom and Janeway's salamanders having sex? Tom and Janeway's salamanders. Yeah. Yeah, because then they have to go back to the ship and work together for the next seven year, uh, next six and a half years or however long it is, and it's just weird. I'm going to put that out as a poll on Twitter tonight. Okay. Yeah. Or can you do just a general Q and Q and A thing and just kind of do a worst canon sexual encounter in Star Trek? Mm. Yeah. We've got to put some of the other belters. Gara uh, and Troy. 
Etiana and Wolf. Yeah, or Riker and anybody, or Kirk and anybody. Uh, but I can think of a few people that think a sexual encounter with Kirk wouldn't be abhorrent. No, no, I'm just trying to list sexual encounters that happened All in, right, okay. in um, Star Trek. Yeah, I'm just... Um, I'm, well, there's some that make sense and are perfectly acceptable. Picard and Vash, for example. Um, yeah, but that one didn't happen. It did, of course it did. They were in Riser. <laughs> did, did Picard and Q happen? They woke up together. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They've done the nasty a few times. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, and... Um, yeah. John De- Delancey is definitely written in Patrick Stewart's shuttlecraft. What about Diana and Barclay? No, I don't think Diana is Jack Barclay. It must have happened. No. Oh, wait, no. no, no Barclay no. wanted he, it to happen. The, the worst sex, Star Trek sex ever, has to be Jordi LaForge and any one of his hologram programmes. Oh, you mean his um, holographic should, girlfriend that was he, built? Yeah. He, he should have went on the sex offenders list. Yeah, that was bloody creepy, that. Yeah. I'm going to create an exact replica of you and have sex with you on the holodeck because that's not creepy at all. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, hello. What do you mean you're watching me? Yeah, that, that was a bit... Mm, yeah. Beverly Crusher and the dead guy. Oh... <laughs> Yeah, that, that, that is... Nah, that, that, I can't think of anything, anything worse than boning your grandma's boyfriend's ghost. Yeah, yeah, it, it's got to be up there in the list of um, worst Star Trek sexual encounters. Yeah, that was, that was... Yeah, that was pretty bad. Yeah. Tasha and Data? No, I'm pretty sure he was fully functional and did anything that she asked. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I don't know. It, it, I suppose it's not much different to using a vibrator, really, if you think about it in that way. Um, I've never thought of data as a giant walking, talking vibrator before, but now that you've mentioned it, I can't get it out of my head. <laughs> Every time I see Brent Spiner now, that's, that's, I'm just going to lose it. <laughs> oh, don't forget Seven of Nine and Chakotay. That's a weird one. Ah, oh, that was weird. That's a weird one. Oh, Janeway and the Irish Barman. Yeah, yeah, but uh, again, is that an actual sexual relationship or is that just a form of masturbation? Because mm, it's don't... a holodeck character, it's not a person. Why don't we ask Kate Mulgrew her thoughts on that? I'll let you ask her. Yeah. I, I'm not going to ask Kate Mulgrew that because that seems improper. Well, she's been in jail as well, so I mean, she's not going to be shot. She spent seven seasons in Orange is the New Black, so. No, no, you, you're not wrong, but um, I, I think asking her ethical questions about her fictitious previous sexual encounters might be a bit weird. Mm. But it's all for the story. So. Yeah, it's not much of a story to advance, though, really. No, it's, 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 it's not. No, it's not. But, you know, hey, it's worth asking. 
Yeah, yeah, I'll let you do that. Report back. Okay, I'll, I'll let you know as soon as she gets back to me. Or, cool. blocks, or blocks me, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, 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 let us know uh, when the restraining order arrives, yeah? <laughs> anyway, we've come to the end of another hugely successful and intellectually stimulating episode of Spot the Week. Hey, you? we were almost on topic for two-thirds of that. I, I was going to say almost half, and I thought I was being optimistic. Um, but if you want to make that claim that's two thirds, I'm sure JJ, when he's editing, will not will not be backward in coming forward and telling us what we've done or not done. Um, but uh, yeah, so again, I'm Gregor. You can catch me on Twitter at Crabbit Ginger. And, and I'm James. James. You can catch me on Twitter at The Militant. Okay, and live long and prosper, folks. Live long and prosper. <laughs>